Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, July 25th, 2022, and you are listening to episode 143 of the Can I Say Something podcast. I'm your host, Anna Reckless, with the Juicy Caboose, Damien. Joining me today is... Derek McDuff. Today in the show, we will be discussing what we've been watching, including the brand new Netflix blockbuster, The Russo's Brothers, Gray Man, JFK, Cinema Paradiso, much, much more, including Jordan Peele's Nope, which just, I just walked out of just now. <laughs> that just happened. <laughs> right into the show, bicycle.gmail.com, bicycle on Twitter, subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, rate and review it on the old Apple Podcast. Hello, friends, family member, stranger, what's up, man? How are we doing? Oh, well, you know, I'm okay. I'm, a, I'm a, People might be able to hear <laughs> yeah. my voice that I'm a little bit under the weather. Um, so, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll survive, but, uh, you know, if I'm a little bit uh, loopy or if my voice is a little bit uh, scratchier and a little less pleasant yeah. than normal, that's the reason. <laughs> so I apologize to the listeners yeah. out there. No, it's fine. I was just saying, literally walked in the door from seeing Nope. Got my AC uh, going, had to turn that off. So this is going to be a show. This is going to be a wild, wild show. Wild energy is going to happen here because in about 10 minutes, <laughs> 10, 20 minutes, my room is going to turn into a literal sauna. So how about we get going? How about we get going with the stuff, okay. with the things? That works for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't we start off with The Gray Man, one of the big releases this week. This is mm. from The Russo's. The big MCU guys, they directed, obviously, the Civil War. They started with uh, Winter's Winter Soldier. They did Infinity War, Endgame. They are the biggest, one of the most successful uh, action directors out there in the world today. Um, You saw this yesterday as well, correct? I I watched it, actually, this morning. So um, before I was getting ready to go to work, and then I fell asleep because I Uh. was... Um, not been great, and then I watched yeah. the second half. <laughs> gotcha, oh, gotcha. A little bit ago, so yeah. Yeah, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. So overall, what were your impressions of the Grayman, Mr. Grayman? The Grayman, <laughs> the Grayman, John Grayman, uh, <laughs> the Northman, the Batman, the Northman, the Batman. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was fine. You know, it was, yeah. it was pretty. You know, it wasn't anything new or revolutionary as far as action movies go. Um, but I had fun with it. It was solid. Uh, definitely some interesting characters. I'm a really big fan of Ryan Gosling. I thought he was great as always. Uh, I'm glad Anna de Armas got to actually do more than one scene of all that training she did for um, No Time to Die that she trained yeah. for like a year or two for. And she actually got to show up those skills in this. And then Chris Evans just being a absolute sociopath and having <laughs> so much fun with it. So, uh, and yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, but it's not a movie that I could, I would probably ever go back to. Yeah. Yeah. I highly agree. I just have, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing that they put Evans in the role where he's doing the least amount of action, right? Cause he is the action guy. He's Mr. America. Mm. He's Mr. Steve Rogers, Captain America. He has had a decade of experience of doing high quality, high intensity action, hand to hand combat for the last 10 years. So it seems weird to me that they would, you know, swap the places. They would have Ryan Gosling, you know, he's no slouch. Like I said, in my review, he's done um, action in the last few years with things like Blade Runner 2049, only God forgives and drive, but, you know, it's it's kind of obvious that in the scenes where Chris Evans is doing some action that he is much more capable of doing those sort of things. So would would this movie had been uh, benefited from Chris Evans in the Ryan Gosling role, do you think? Well, I was reading your review and I, th- I was thinking about that. And, I, I you know, Matt Damon wasn't really an action guy when he got cast as Bourne. Uh, hmm. J- uh, 
you know, Daniel Craig's not was an inaction guy really, still isn't really, other than the James Bond movies. And other than that fight at the end, which I thought was a pretty good fight, I thought it was more of him just kind of using his physical talents but not having to be a tough guy. It's more about him like jumping and shooting and doing the Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible kind of stuff. Yeah. So um I think, you know, in the same vein that all of those actors worked for me, um, this worked for me. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty good. You know, he again he's not a slouch. He's a he's an A list mm-hmm. actor and he can do all of those things. I just feel like this had I feel like I was watching the editing, like as we do, and we watch things a lot closer than most people do. And I was just watching the editing and being like, wow, that's a lot of cuts <laughs> in that one. Yeah. In a lot yeah. of the scenes, it that's was just very thing, obvious. Yeah. yeah, you can, they, they sort of mask. If people don't know if an actor is not um, able to do a lot of the stunts himself, they'll have uh, scenes where they're, they're cut up into little bits and pieces here where they'll take, you know, a shot from here or a shot from B and a shot from C and start sort of stitching the, stitch them together to make it as good, make it look as good as humanly possible possible and that's that's clearly what they did here as well for a lot of gosling scenes but yeah it was pretty and good i wonder overall. if that's more yeah. of a, i wonder if that's more of a russo thing than a gosling thing because you know they do that a lot in their mcu films like the elevator True. fight that you yeah. know everybody loses their shit over that's a hundred <laughs> seconds long and it's a hundred cuts so it's a cut every second um if you average it out uh so you know, I think that's just the thing they do. The Russos, I think, are really interesting because, like, you describe them as successful action directors, which they are, and I think that's what they want to do And the lesson that they've taken from, you know, having the highest-grossing movie of all time, um, at least it was for a little while. When they really, their strength and what the reason they got that job in the first place is that they have these, they take these stories, they got started on community and happy endings, which are these quirky stories about a big an ensemble cast of weird people that all kind of are quirky and funny and quippy and stuff like that and that's why i think they were really well suited for the mcu and the mcu just happens to have a lot of action in it and then they kind of only took the side that they weren't really that wasn't their bread and butter before the mcu and and spun off into that um there is definitely some quippy mcu style stuff and i think um obviously you know you have chris evans who is captain america's well versed with that and then you have gosling who i think is very kind of quippy just like he he will say something just kind of under his breath and it's hilarious uh i think he he gosling kind of he's such a diverse actor but if you really really boil it down he you could maybe put his movies into one of two kinds of performances his kind of quiet reserved calculated like drive like blade runner 2499 performance or his kind of like over the top like i'm making lots of jokes kind of like very affable characters you know something in like the nice guys um yes and this is really a balance between those two quote-unquote personas that that gosling is really well known for and obviously he does all kinds of stuff like lars and the real girl um and you know uh that one where he's like a heroin basketball coach um Mm. but those are the really his his bread and butter and he kind of had you know a bit of both in this in a way that i haven't seen from him before yeah, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree. Really well said. Um, and somebody was mentioning on Letterboxd of like you mentioned uh, the Nice Guys, Shane Black movie, um, really took mm-hmm. advantage of, like you said, what uh, Ryan Gosling can do in terms of action and mixing the comedy there. So they were like, why didn't they just make a Shane Black movie? Why didn't Shane Black just make this? Because <laughs> it seems like a movie he's well versed to make as well. I mean, Shane, Shane Black is 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 good um, sometimes. Although, uh, if you're taking a MCU director and then giving him just an action movie, I guess maybe Shane Black. But then he also made The Predator, 
which is a horrible mm. movie with a pedophile in it. Oh, uh, yeah. So you never know. Is Jay. And I also don't like Iron Man 3 very much. So, oh, okay. yeah, I mean, I, I can't I can't say that I'm a huge Shane Black stan. Yeah. So you saw the end but of Endgame. Nice Guys is fucking great. <laughs> nice Guys is great. So you watch the end of Endgame and you're like, that fucking kid again. I thought we were done with this. We were done with that fucking kid. <laughs> <laughs> My reaction was like, who the fuck? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a good that was, callback, but that movie is dumb. <laughs> yeah, that was the, the entire initial reaction of like, what the fuck? Who? <laughs> yeah. Because he's also like five years older, so you're like, what? Who? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so that is the Greyman. Gave that a uh, three out of five on the old letterbox over there. Um, another uh, TV show that's in the zeitgeist. I want to mention this as it's still in the public consciousness. Uh, the Bears show on Hulu, FX on Hulu. Um, great, great show. Um, starring some people I, I like. A lot of people like Jeremy Allen White. I guess he was in Shameless. I haven't seen that show, but people like him from that. Um, got, got a guy named Ibon Mus. Mas Barak, um, he plays Richie in this show. If anybody saw the dropout from this year as well, he played the journalist that basically cracked the whole story open in that show. Um, so some really great young actresses named uh, Io Edabiri. Um, she's really great in this. Really, really great show. Um, you know, the, the movie Boiling Point came out earlier this year, and I was one of the ones really championing that. Uh, I didn't get a lot of coverage at all. Um, it does a lot of the same stuff that this show does, a lot of very um, intimate and close quarters and claustrophobic and heated and uh, frantic action and uh, yelling and, and just all this kind of stuff. Very, very reminiscent of that movie, um, The Bear Is. So if you liked, um, if you like Boiling Point, definitely check out The Bear. It's one of the best things they've uh, seen this year. They also did episode seven. They did an entire like uh, one shot, one cut uh, episode, which is you know my my bread and butter. I love that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> one cut things is one of, is one of my favorite things to watch, and they did that here. Uh, pretty good. It was pretty good. You know, you could definitely tell mm-hmm. again just looking at um, stitching and editing and things like that. There was definitely some shots here where it's like, oh, clearly that that um, tracking mm-hmm. shot, that panning shot was just to like to, they they might have got a reset there because there was nobody actually in front of the camera. There was nobody in front of the lens there, so that was a point at which they could have cut if they needed to. And this only yeah, been twenty minutes. It's like the the Birdman walking through the big the hanging tamale lights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know, you could clearly see where things are caught. I wa- I went back and watched mm. Rope, which was um, Hitchcock's version of that, of like a uh, yeah. appearing to be one cut. <laughs> if you go yeah, back and yeah. watch Rope now, uh, there is like several shots where it's like somebody's back for I want to say like eight seconds, seven to eight seconds <laughs> of just a <the> dude's <laughs> back, and you're like, why? That's awkward. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Funny. So they, yeah, they definitely gotten better at it that over time. Yeah. 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 So yeah, definitely. That's check- been one of those shows I need to yeah. check out. Like, and I, I hear Slash Film describes it as like, like very uncut gems, kind of like tension yes. vibes. Um, I, I need to see it. It's just there's so much TV we always say, uh, yes. and that is one that's been on my list. Yeah, so much stuff, so much TV. Like literally, you know, the uh, yeah. nope came nope nope came out yesterday. I I, I got off work um, Thursday morning or Friday morning. Um, watched the Grayman. I watched um, some other things that had just come out. Yeah, just the stuff coming out. Then you gotta you gotta get on the internet and have your have your takes. <laughs> just a quick yeah. quick. Yeah, quick tangent here. You know, I've been doing uh, Letterbox frequently for the past year and a half, but for the past week week or so, I've done I've done you know um, pretty long form reviews on there, four or five or six paragraph um, size reviews, and it's taken it out of me. Like I don't like like um, you know uh, all the all the credit in the world to people like yourself or anybody that does this for a living. It's really really hard to 
sort of watch a thing, have a cogent, interesting, nuanced, um, specific response to the things you're watching, and then post it, and then post on, uh, you know, being somebody that's do- just doing it myself, I got to post it on the, the medium, on the litter box, tweet it out, bah, 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 <laughs> do this and that thing. And the other thing is just like, oh, God, <laughs> it's so exhausting. Yeah. It's it's a it's very exhausting, and then you like are like oh okay well I also got to go and deal with my life and yes. my job and my day job and you know all this other stuff so yeah it 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 can take it take a good bit out of you sometimes yeah. you just need to take a break. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, let's see where we want to go from here. Um, so I watched the Insider this week because um they were doing a uh, they have a manathon on the um. Waypoint Radio, one, great podcast. Highly recommend that one. They do. They're doing a um, sort of a manathon. Uh, Michael Manathon. They've they've went mm. through his uh, filmography. They started with Thief. They went to um, whatever was after Thief, <laughs> whatever that movie was. <laughs> now they've gone up to 1999's Insider, which obviously I've always said 1999 was one of the best years of movies, and this is one of the best mm. movies from that year. And a, and a Michael Mann movie I haven't seen, so definitely made a lot of sense for me to catch up with it this week, and it's incredible. I love, love, love um, guys in room talking movies like The Big Short, Michael Clayton, yes. Margaret Call, Twelve Angry Men, mm-hmm. and Glengarry Glen, Glen Ross. Just incredible guys in rooms talking, and this is definitely in that pantheon of those types of movies. Really, really great movie. Highly, highly recommend The Insider. Yeah, and I really need to see more Michael Mann stuff. Like, it's kind of, I mean, I've seen some of his things, but none of his really, like, huge things um, other than maybe Collateral. Uh, So Mm. I need to see Insider and Heat and Thief and and all these greats. I've just kind of missed them. Yeah. Yeah, he's he is incredible. You know, it's like that old joke of like, you want to talk about heat? That was that movie came out like twenty years ago. <laughs> I remember hearing that joke. I remember hearing that joke from uh, Jim Gaffigan. I think he made that joke like in two thousand five. <laughs> At that yeah. point, that movie had been coming out for ten years. That's <laughs> pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got. Again, talking about movies that have just come out that need to be talked about. Um, the Sea Beast is a movie from director Chris Williams. Pull up his resume real quick. Let's see what he's done. This man has done Big Hero 6. Um, he wrote Moana. He was a writer on Bolt. Um, so definitely in that uh, animation sphere. He's been working in the animation spheres yeah. for a while. Um, the CBS is the new Netflix film starring Mr. Carl Urban. Got Jared Harris. Got a bunch of people, young actresses in here playing the kids in this. This is really great. This is like... Um, it's basically being described, uh, and the one-word s- summary of this movie is like how to train your dragon, but in the sea. It's it's that sort of thing. It's um, you know pirates that have made their living hunting and killing beasts in the ocean, and that they've been told that that is their lineage, that's their legacy to to be beast hunters because the beasts have destroyed their lands for for millennia, and our war will never end with the with the ravenous beast the savage beast we must kill the beast and then of course there's the turn where they realize oh no the beasts have been chilling in their in their own little habitat and we're the bad guys are we the baddies yeah apparently we are the baddies we've been hunting them for no reason um so there's that cool turn there um yeah um, slight slight spoiler if you haven't seen the sea beast but come on (laughs) after a while you've kind of seen enough of these you kind of know where all the twists and turns are are going so highly recommend the sea beast on netflix yep this is that's one that I I hadn't even even heard of until like I would the other day I went to go watch Netflix and it was like my mom was watching and my brother was watching it's like oh too many screens and it, like my brother's watching the Sea Beast I'm like what the fuck is this and I like scroll yeah. I'm like it's a kids movie I'm like why is my brother watching this kids movie like he, he <laughs> never does this and then like I heard like on the Slashcast everybody was talking about how great it was so I was like oh I guess I gotta watch this now you know 
Yeah, it's interesting how some of this stuff falls off the radar or, or it's not on people's radar. Um, if you if you just go on there and it's like, bam, 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 here's our best stuff. Worldwide, number one, U.S. worldwide, best TV show, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's, <laughs> it's weird to, you know, for me to hear like it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's not on your radar because it seems like it's one of those things that they sort of shove down your throat whenever you pop on the app there. That's why I, that's why I was so surprised because usually I turn on Netflix and it's like, hey, watch this now, do yeah. this now, and yeah. for whatever reason the algorithm missed me or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so that was that. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, let's go to Book Corner real quick. I've been I've been gorging on some Stephen King recently and been trying to catch up with a lot of the, his older stuff. I read Gerald's Game, the book, and saw the movie on Netflix. Um, it's it's good. It's fine. It's one of, one of his um, mm-hmm. things that he's that he's written. Um, this gets into a little bit of spoiler again. Spoiler for all this stuff. I keep forgetting to mention at the top of the show. This is a spoiler show. It's a review show. As and as Van Lathan says on the midnight boys it's a review show we we will be reviewing spoilers spoilers incoming (laughs) for all of the stuff (laughs) so spoilers for gerald's game the book and the movie um it's it's a story about a woman obviously who gets handcuffed to a bed and she gets stuck there because her husband dies and she starts seeing these visions of this ghostly figure in her room and it's revealed near the end that it's an actual person it was a guy it was it was a person that was robbing people up and down the East Coast for 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 years and years, and I just feel like eh, you know that it was it was teased to me. There was a guy on TikTok who does um, a lot of Stephen King reviews and sort of talks about the connecting tissue of the Stephen King universe and how um, this this movie was or this story connected to Dolores Claiborne and how the character the the creature in this was one of the scariest creatures that he's ever read um, in a Stephen King book. And you know I feel like uh, the reveal at the end of the, him being a human person sort of took away from the scariness and from the sort of macabre nature of the thing in the room so but still very taunt little thriller there if you want to read a book about a woman degloving her hand trying to get out of her room definitely check out uh Child's game the most frightening beast of all man <laughs> man yeah exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> um then real quick i just checked out um don't have the author's name here uh upgrade by uh blake crouch blake crouch also wrote um dark matter and he also wrote Recursion, two books about time travel that I very, very, very much enjoy. Some of the best books I've read this year and new book came out this week um, called Upgrade. Um, it is very much in that same lineage of like, you know, a guy takes a pill or a guy drinks a thing or a guy gets a, a surgery uh, to make him smarter, faster, stronger, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that whole that old story. Yeah. <laughs> what if nobody's read it, one of the best versions of that that I read very early on okay. for school was... Um, What's the uh, Flowers for Algernon is one of the best versions of that because it's from oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the first person. Yeah, it's from the first person perspective. So the writing actually starts out. It's it's got you know grammatical errors. It's got spelling errors because it's from the writing from the person's perspective who's not very smart. And as he sort of progresses in his um, training, his you know writing gets better and he starts typing out. The letters start becoming in typed font and it gets more eloquent and more um, you know uh, all of that stuff in there. So yeah, really really great one of those. Mm. Um, Definitely check that out. But Upgrade is that too. And it's just, eh, not good. <laughs> not one of the best. I felt like the the Dark Matter book and Recursion definitely grounded the story in family drama, in the human drama. Like I said, always going, you have to always have to ground yourself in human uh, emotions and things like that. And this definitely um, did everything but that. It gave very small, very... Um, very small, very quiet allusions to his family life and his wife and his daughter 
uh, and just sort of being on the outskirts and being um, on the edges of the story. And the rest of the story is just him like, oh, I can feel, I can feel everything in the air. I can touch things. I can hear things. Uh, the last like third of the story is literally just him like climbing up the side of a building to get to the guy that, that the CEO and the, and the thing, that thing, just going in and beating the guy up. And then the story just ends. And I'm like, all right, so this was just a revenge story, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> not not, not one of my favorites. Yeah. So definitely uh, read Recur- Recursion and uh, Dark Matter if you want good, good Blake Crouch, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so let's go to some stuff you've watched because there, again, I talked about um, before we started uh, how A twenty four movies aren't uh, don't they don't play around here. So unfortunately, I was not able to see the new A twenty four film Marcel the Shell the shoes on, but you did check it out. What did you think of this? I did, and this movie it was absolutely just so heartwarming and adorable, and I don't know, it, it's just it's a real feel good type movie without it feeling sappy because you know marcel is kind of like a sassy character you know spunky um but it's it's really cute it's you know uh jenny slate um and dean fleischer camp uh worked on it um based on their series they had done a bunch of shorts on youtube and it's it's interesting because when they made the shorts they were married and they made this movie after going through a divorce and that's one of the subplots dean fleischer camp who plays himself in the movie because it's a mockumentary about this guy, this kind of uh, this uh, documentarian who meets this sh- little shell guy and he is going through a divorce. So it's kind of weirdly about like their real life. Um, but yeah, I, I really loved it. It's one of the most fun times I've had at the movies this year. Uh, I kind of, I haven't yet, but I do want to go back and rewatch or watch for the first time, all the shorts um, really also just, cool the way they filmed it because it is in that mockumentary style but it's also marcel is stop motion i mean i'm sure they smooth some stuff out with cg but it is very handheld documentary style which is something that would be very difficult to do stop motion with um so i'm not sure how they pulled that off but it looks Mm. incredible and you really you really care about this character and the world that he lives in um, just really sucks you in and has a lot of interesting things to say about celebrity and like internet fame and like TikTok fame and um, all of this stuff and just, you know, what is like the difference between a fan and a friend and someone who's there for you and someone who just is interested in being like getting close to fame and yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Nice, very cool. It's got ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Fuck you, whoever you are, critic man. <laughs> that brought the that one, down from that one asshole. There's always one fucking asshole. <laughs> There's one asshole always. Yeah, so definitely, definitely want to check this out. Um, you know, like I said, A twenty four has a not great uh, record on um, distribution of their films. It always takes a very long time for <clears throat> their stuff to appear on streaming. But um, yeah, definitely check it. I'll, I'll definitely check this out when it does hit streaming. Finally, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we we just got it here because it just like it's been slow late. It's been doing the same thing that you know a lot of A twenty four films do that everything all at where it once everything everywhere all at once did this where it opens in a very small amount and then when it gains popularity it slowly every week kind of opens to more and more and more theaters and finally hit us in Orange County here so. Nice. Very, very cool. You also checked out this week, uh, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. What is this about? So this is, you know, another yet another heartwarming yeah. film. Um, I uh, it is about a it's set in nineteen. Well, it starts in nineteen fifties London, and it's about this housekeeper 
And um, it's interesting because she is played uh, by the same person who is in another movie about fashion. She's in a, oh my gosh, Paul Thomas Anderson's fashion movie. Why am I spacing on uh, the uh, Phantom the Thread? Thread? Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, Leslie Manville, who yes. uh, and she's completely the opposite of the uh, character that she plays in that. And she just kind of has this adventure where she goes to Paris. And it's, it's very much like, almost like a, a, like a role that Jimmy Stewart would have played in, in like the thirties <laughs> or something where she's just this kind of just happy, like ball of energy, but she isn't, you know, she does feel like a real person like Marcel does and not like just kind of a character or device where she does have a real problem and stuff like that. And just kind of brightens everyone's day. But what toll does that take on her and her going around in the fashion industry and, and she goes to Dior cause she just wants to get a dress there and, um, yeah, it's it's a really fun time. It's got a very limited release. I think it's from Focus, which is the eight which was what A twenty four was fifteen years ago with Focus <laughs> right. features. Right. Um, so yeah, that one I got to see that opening night um, with some friends, uh, and it was because nothing really came out, you know, between Thor and Nope uh, that week. So we were like, let's go see this movie, and I knew nothing about it going in, and I'm really glad I I checked it out. Nice, nice, definitely have that on my radar when that does hit VOD. Uh, let's see what else you got here. You got Vor. I think I mentioned watching this uh, when it first came out. Um, really, really liked the uh, the short called, um, or the the uh, the episode called, but I don't like him. Uh, what'd you make of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I had a blast with this. I'm a really big fan of video essays. I watch a lot of them on the internet. And this was from a few of my favorite video essay creators, um, Tony Zhao, who is more or less the guy who popularized slash invented the format of video essays as we, at least film video essays as we know them. Um, he was responsible for every frame of painting um, and he um, had a lot of work on this one. He was responsible for the second episode, which is about revenge films that I really thought was interesting, but he also did a lot of work um, on a lot of the other episodes. Like you, I also really enjoyed uh, the But I Don't Like Him one. I also liked the Revenge one. There was a lot of really great stuff in this, and if you are a film fan, it is anybody listening out there, check this out, because it is a fascinating examination of the way that we interact with, uh, with the movies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really, really loved Summer of the Shark. That was Sasha Stone's um, episode about blockbusters. Um, Tony Zhao, you said, did the, did the revenge one. Um, I don't know if I watched, what was the one? Walter Chow, one of my favorite working critics today. Really, really great one about uh, called Profane Profound about Walter Hill's 48 Hours. Uh, it says he explores these experiences of systemic racism and compared some yeah. films to that one. Yeah. That one was very. I mean, I hadn't seen Forty Eight Hours, but I still checked it out, and it was, it was very, very interesting. I, I got a, I got a kick out of that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Highly, yeah. highly and, recommend. And then the film, yeah, and the yeah. film versus TV one was also something very interesting. It's some stuff. It's things I think about quite a bit about you know this line that has been blurring ever more and more and more um, about the difference between TV and film and where you draw that line. And that episode was a really good examination of that. Yeah, yeah. Highly recommend watching that um, if you haven't. Um, and you also checked out the, the Bad Guys, one of the big releases this year. Yeah, so I missed that when it was on theaters, and um, I have right now I Peacock, like the premium or whatever it is, because yeah. I 
needed to watch Spider-Man 2 for a podcast. And rather than renting <laughs> it for $3, I decided to get Peacock for a month for $4. And I needed something to watch while I was playing Pokemon on my <laughs> Switch. And I put on the bad guys. And it was fun. It was um, a cool like a cool little heist movie for kids um, yeah. with some really great voice performances. I'm a huge Sam Rockwell fan. So having him as the big bad wolf was great. And yeah, it, it really did the heist movie kind of tropes really well in this kind of Zootopia-esque world uh, with the big bad wolf and all these kind of guys that you would expect. Um, but yeah, I'm a sucker for heist films, especially when heist films mix in other genres like The Collector. It's like, oh, what if heist is in a Saw movie? And this is like, oh, what if heist was in a Disney-eyed universe? You know, it's not Disney, but it's in that same kind of vein and so uh, yeah i would recommend it to anybody who is has kids or um you just you know need something to watch for like you know 90 minutes or whatever that's gonna be entertaining it's because it is nice nice yeah i'm always surprised when i see these movies come out i'm like oh my god sam rockwell mark Marin, aquafina craig robertson <laughs> anthony ramos richard iowati zazzy beats alex borstein just like <laughs> massive yeah. cast and it's just like wow yes of course these movies cost like 100 million 150 million if you're gonna hire that that many a-list actors yeah yeah and it did really well i think at the box office like it kept chugging along like it was not quite top gun but it did have really good legs on it yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, uh, Better Call Saul. Is that coming to an end? How many more episodes we got with that? We've got four episodes left. Um, so the uh, the episode will be out the day that this drops. Um, you oh. know, the, that one of those episodes. So three after this. Um, so either three or four, depending on, you know, when you're listening to this in the day, if you've already seen today's episode. Um, it just came back from the, or a couple, I guess, a couple since we last recorded, it just came back from its little hiatus that it did because of the Emmys and because of Bob Odenkirk's heart attack. Um, Ray Seahorn finally got her Emmy nod. Thank God. I really yes. hope she wins. Yeah. Um, it's been a travesty. She hasn't gotten one. But yeah, this show continues to astound. And the last episode could have been a completely satisfying series finale. And I'm really curious to see where they go with it next and how they wrap everything up because yeah, it has been like, just, I was literally crying at this last episode, heart mm. pounding, just, you know, it's, it, you, you know, going into better call Saul that, okay, well, these characters are all on breaking bad, so they're okay, but there's all these new characters and what's going to happen with them. And you are seeing in this last season where everyone who isn't in breaking bad ends up and why they aren't in breaking bad for various reasons and mm. uh it is really really unexpected in some cases and interesting um so yeah i i've you know a couple things you can see coming but are still done in interesting ways uh so i cannot enough recommend better call Saul. does this does this episode feel like the ozymandias um of breaking bad like you have this one great episode and then the the rest of it's going to feel like an epilogue I mean, honestly, kind of a little bit. And I think maybe it might be literal in that case um, yeah. because, um, you know, the there is going to be, I won't spoil anything, but there is going to be some, a time jump. And anybody who's seen, like, any of the seasons of Better Call Saul knows that there are, just from starting from episode one, there you do see hit, uh, Saul in the future. Um, so what happens after Breaking Bad? And it seems like, 
they are slow they are building towards that and a good chunk of these last four episodes maybe two maybe the last one are going to be spent in that future timeline so we'll we'll see what happens with that yeah yeah very cool i still got to get on that train <laughs> still gotta yeah man you got i'm, I'm yeah. very curious to hear what you're gonna say about it so yeah let me know when you do yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get to the big uh, movie of the week, Nope, Jordan Peele's Nope, uh, we are recording this during the Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con is happening as mm-hmm. we speak, and the Marvel Studios um, big presentation is going on pretty much at the same time. I was <laughs> shaking my phone during the Nope movie, be like, oh my god, oh, that thing, that thing, oh my god, can't wait to talk about this. Um, so... Going off an article here from Deadline, uh, the title is Marvel's boss Kevin Feige says the Russos are not connected to the new Phase 6. We're currently in Phase 4. He's saying they're not connected to his Phase 6 movies, but, quote, we want to find something to do together. So that means they are not, apparently, right now, and I think it changed, you know, things change all the time in this crazy, crazy business. But right now they're saying uh, Joe and Anthony Russo are not going to be part of Secret Wars, which I thought was a big, big part of like the um, anticipation of that series because, you know, Phase 4 has been what it is. <laughs> it's going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you are and I are on different pages with Phase yeah. 4, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been that. It's been a thing. It's been a, and it's been a trip. But um, going forward, you know, the big ensemble movies, the big um, sort of tying everything get together movies was one of the things I think we're both looking forward to equally. Mm-hmm. And I think for a reason for that was the possibility and the rumor that the Russos would come back and do the sort of big ensemble movies that, that, they've, that they've done. Um Josh Whedon did the first of two, first two ensemble movies. The then the Russos picked up the back half there, doing Civil War and Infinity War and, and Endgame, and also our Marcus McFeely and um, the other writer I can't think of right now. But they that that sort of like continuity and that sort of cohesiveness you definitely feel it in the MCU near the end there, and I feel like that's definitely the part of what's missing right now is that cohesiveness. So I was very much excited to hear that, and unfortunately, you know, so, uh, for now they're saying they're not going to be part of that. What do you think about that? I'm. I mean, I'm excited that Marvel is trying is have extending their their stories to new directors and new store voices, and I think that's why I've been a lot hotter on Phase Four than you have. Um, generally speaking, because yeah. even when I think that those movies are failures, I'm glad that like let's give Joey Sh- Chloe Zhao a shot, and you know, like they told their story, they they finished the Infinity Saga, it's done now, and now we're doing something else. We're going to do the Secret War, or the Multiverse Saga, whatever it's called. And so, whichever one, you know, I think that maybe just like they did when they directed a Captain America movie, one of these directors might rise to the top and be the new uh, Shepard going forward. Um, but it also reminds me of, <laughs> I just saw this tweet, that, and I'm, that's how I feel like all this Russo Brothers news is gone, because it's the same thing almost exactly where it was um it was Dan Merle tweeted this out and it was three captions of three different screen rant articles like in three days in a row and the first one was fans are excited that Henry Cavill is going to is rumored to appear at San Diego Comic-Con and announce that he is back as Superman and second article day later Henry Cavill will not announce that he's Superman at San Diego Comic-Con third day <laughs> fans are upset that Henry Cavill is not returning at, at, <laughs> yeah. at San Diego yeah. Comic Con. Like it's that's yeah. the cycle that these things always go through. Like somebody, there's a rumor that starts and everyone expects it, and then it doesn't happen, and then everybody gets mad, and it's like, well, why, we were never promised this in the first place. 
but we sure. can move on to do something else. So that's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good way to look at it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they dropped a trailer for, um, Black Panther, uh, right now. Do you want to pop, pop that up and we can watch it together? Cause I haven't, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of it. Yes, yes, yes. So I've got mine pulled up and you just tell me when you're ready. It's loading. All right. I'm good to go. Okay. Uh, three, two, one, hit play. That uh, Lupita Nyong'o? I on think a, so. On a beach? On a beach? On a beach. <laughs> I'm just looking out at uh, a celestial out there in the water. Oh, yes, oh, I missed celestial. that. Yeah. They're finally referencing that. I don't oh, think that's so. Good. <laughs> I don't think so. That's a joke. Oh, okay, okay. They should, <laughs> refer- they should reference it. Right? Put it in. Yeah. A shot of Wakanda from the sky here. We got uh, Okayo. Okay, okay, very, very good. Yep. Got uh, her and the teacher right. Angela Bassett. Angela oh, Bassett. No. Yep. Somebody's yeah, yeah. somebody's pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Having a having a water birth. Okay. Yeah. Fuck you, James Cameron. <laughs> uh, is that uh is that Namor? They're they're underwater, so clearly I think we should get where well, I first oh. shot of Namor in the MCU. Dragging something up while you're on a boat. Yeah. You got probably um, some sort of army unit. I was gonna say, what's the guy's name with the with the arm that, that died in the first Black Panther? Oh. Oh, oh there we go. Yeah. The the ape the ape guy whatever. Yeah. The white ape. There's, Ch- there's a picture of Chadwick. Chadwick. Yeah. Oh, I think that was Ironheart. That was uh, Riri Williams. Oh, it, okay. She cut out a piece. Uh, she cut out a uh, metal yeah. heart. There's, there's definitely some, um, what do you call it, uh, Mesoamerican stuff going on in here too, which is very interesting. That was cool. Yeah. Oh, full shot of Namor. I'm not sure who's playing him. First possible shot of T'Challa there. Wakanda forever. So no full shot of T'Challa or whoever is going to be the new yeah. taking up the mantle that of the new Black Panther. Definitely, yeah. definitely a teaser for sure. Yes, yes, full on teaser. Exactly, exactly. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So we got full. We got yeah. Namor for the first time in there. So he's definitely. So that, so that Namor, he is Mesoamerican. I, I, I'm not really super familiar with him. Yeah. So he was like the kind of okay Aztec slash Mayan kind of inspired. Interesting. Yes, uh, apparently Marvel, the Marvel website itself um, has him in the comic book at least half human, half Atlantean. So mm, you know, the, the, yeah, mutant, yeah. the mutant, the mutant anymore. I knew he was Atlantean. I did not know yeah. that they were. That was uh, the culture that they were inspired by. So that's that'll be interesting. It's cool to see that. Yeah, um, he's obviously more. Uh, a mutant in the books, so it'll be interesting to see if they keep that mm-hmm. in the movies. Now that they have the first confirmed mutant being uh, Miss Marvel, they just confirmed that in the last yes, episode. Yes, yes. They yeah, gave you yeah, a little yeah. uh, X Men riff. <laughs> 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 Love that show, another kid. Uh, oh my god, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's see. They got a little write up here on the comicbook.com. Uh, Queen Ramonda, Angela Bassett, Shuri was in there, Mubaku we saw, we saw Okayo, mm. the Dormalaje 
including Florence Kasumba, whoever that is, uh, fight to protect their nation from intervening, interf, uh, intervening world powers in the wake of King T'Challa's death. As the Wakandans strive to embrace their new chapter, the heroes must band together with the help of War Dog Nakia, played by Lupia Nyong'o, and Everett Ross. Everett Ross, there we go, Evan Martin Freeman. Um, but they don't have the name of the guy that I was thinking of. What was his name? Let me look up. Uh, seen Civil War or Black Panther? Let me just look oh, up. Oh, Andy Circus. Andy Circus. Thank you. I forgot it. Well, he's dead, right? He's he is dead. Back. But I'm wondering if, like, yeah. his his Call. um, Call. yeah, <laughs> if his um, what do you call it? His army is going to be uh, mm-hmm. coming back after his death. Let's see who is in there and what the, was the guy's name? Oh, Ulysses Claw. That's right, Claw. The claw guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. The weird arm. It was weird arm, yeah. So that's, that's interesting. That looks cool. So yeah, they basically, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if we mentioned it on the mic, but the the overall um, outlook to three or four years in the future, they're going to have, they're, they're saying, again, this is all, this is all for now. This is not, nothing's etched in stone, obviously. They had, a, they had to change around so many, a bunch of different dates for a bunch of, a bunch of different movies and TV shows since the pandemic Um but for right now, what they said was, and I don't have it pulled up, so I'm just going off memory, but they said um, that the new um, ensemble, Avengers, um, Kane, the Kane Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars will debut in the same year. But I believe it was Kane Dynasty first in July, and then Secret Wars will be in December. So I'm not sure how I feel about two ensemble movies in the same year. What do you think about that? I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do. If one kind of leads into the other, or if it's going to be maybe two separate teams, what they'll do with that. So I don't know. I, I reserve, I would reserve judgment on that until I, <laughs> until I know a little bit more about either and or both. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, so it's super far away, but again, you know, we have quantum mania um, coming next mm-hmm. year. We didn't uh, so far as I can tell, didn't get much trailers with that. Um, but they did say here phase five will kick off with, so that's basically they, the, the thing, the big announcement was that the phase four was going to end with black, uh, with, um, kind of forever. And now it's saying phase five will kick off with Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. Um, and, and, and will end with Thunderbolts. So the Thunderbolts is the sort of the evil Avengers, the, the swap, the other side of the Avengers. Um, they're sort of teaming up with Thunderbolt Ross, um, um, you know, the actor had passed away this year. William Hurt, I believe, played him yeah. in the movies. Um, yeah, so they, they have, they teased out for that so far was, um, can't think of anybody's name right now. He's getting to me. He's coming. He's getting to me. Roasting my brain. Uh, what was the name of the woman that was at the end of the... Oh, um, Elaine from Seinfeld. Elaine from Seinfeld. Yes, exactly that. Yes. <laughs> she was at the end of um, Hawkeye. Was it Hawkeye or the end of... Um, Black Widow. She was at the end of Hawkeye and at the end of, at the end of yeah. Falcon Winter Soldier. Yes, 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 yes. So that's they're sort of leading into that. So that'll be the beginning. No, no, it was Black Widow. It was Black Widow because she it hired Black Widow. her to go kill her in Hawkeye. That's yes. what it was. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So yeah, they're they're leading up to that. Um, so and then the entire sort of the the first. Um, saga was called the Infinity War Saga. This one will officially be called the Multiverse Saga. So, obviously, with all the multiverse shenanigans going on so far, I think it was pretty well established already, but now officially called the Multiverse Saga. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. It makes sense. You know, that's, it seems like they've been building, too, with <laughs> yeah. Loki and Spider-Man Far From Home and 
Multiverse of Madness, you know, so. Multiverse of Madness, yep, 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 all the good stuff. So, yeah, highly yep. looking forward to all of it. Can't wait to, to see all of that and talk about it later on. Yeah. In the next, in this coming years. <laughs> yeah. So, why don't we get to, why don't we get to the, the review of the week, brand new movie from Jordan Peele called Nope. Back today, you'll leave here different. Wow. Talking, talking to you. Bro, what you see? Something about the clouds. That's big. How big? Big. You think whatever killed Pops is out there? Right here, you are going to witness an absolute spectacle. So what happens next? You ready? Uh-huh. Are you ready? Here we go. Run, okay! Run! Uh, the star is obviously Daniel Kalua. We got Kiki Palmer, a guy named Brandon Pereira, Michael Wincott, Stephen Yuen bunch of people in here you saw this yesterday literally i just came out of the theater right before we got on the mics here so why don't you tell me first what were your thoughts on journal peel's nope i had an absolute blast with this uh i wasn't really sure what to expect i'm i was a really big fan of get out um so i was thinking it was going to be more of the it was going to be a lot of the same kind of um social commentary that it had on get out which it wasn't really um it was just kind of a you know the vibes in this movie were just like oh this is like a kind of spooky alien invasion horror action western so a lot of stuff going on in here i really appreciated just kind of the unique angles that it took i thought all of the actors were great um i think all the stuff about like oh i like that they were like this ufo is just an animal and this guy is an animal handler and how would he handle that and how would this guy who was you know at, like he saw these people murdered and their faces ripped off by an animal that he loved and that animal seemingly was about to spare him how would he react to this this animal and how it's i think you know i was thinking about like what is this movie really trying to say because it's unlike get out which has a very very clear message this one i think can be interpreted a few ways but the way i took it is oh how do we deal with trauma because it starts with his father dying and him trying to process this, and then he's like, well, I, I want to hold on to the farm, and then his sister's like, well, Dad kind of sucked because he did this, and, you know, Stephen Ewan's obviously dealing with the trauma of his past, and uh, I, I really dug it. There's also some interesting stuff about, like, filmmaking and, you know, like, oh, the art of observing in documentaries and stuff, and I, I really, um, I believe, yeah, his name is, uh, like, Brandon Perea, the guy who played Angel, I... He was. He hasn't really been in anything before, nothing major at least, and he was so great. Like yeah. every time Angel would come on screen, I was like so riveted. I thought he was hilarious. Um, I was like protect him at all costs when he almost got sucked <laughs> up like twice. I was like no. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I think Peel is a master of just like horror and comedy, and that's what was so well on display in this film because there were parts where you would be fucking terrified. And also laughing at the same time. And it is such a 
he's talked about how that is both of those are such gut reactions like you laugh and you you scream for the same reasons and you're kind of doing both like you'll see something fucking terrifying and you know uh, he will he'll look Daniel Kaluuya will look out the window and just go nope and you laugh and you're like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah fucking nope and like there's like five times that they say just nope in the movie and every single time the whole theater just started bursting laughing despite the fact that it was a terrifying moment and I I it's it's got it if we had done our top five I mean I just saw it last night and obviously you saw it even sooner so I probably need to ruminate up on this a little more but I think it's probably going to end up being one of my top movies of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it a lot as well. I'll just start there. <laughs> um, mm. This is a movie, um, the DP, the cinematographer was Hoyt Van Hotema. He did a lot of um, Christopher Nolan movies. He's done Interstellar, he did Tenant, Dunkirk, at Astra. So definitely um, took advantage of that. A lot of incredible shots, incredible. Um, the way he shot the movie was in stark contrast to the movie we were, we were just talking about, um, The Gray Man, with a lot of cuts, a lot of editing in there, definitely felt that contrast there, seeing these so um, close together. One of my favorite parts of this movie was how much time and how much uh, room um, Jordan Peele, I'm guessing Hoyt, Hoyt Van Hoytma, gave um, the movie and the actors mm-hmm. and the scenes to breathe. Um, so much, so much, so many long shots, so many shots, especially um, near the beginning, the first third of the movie of Daniel Kaluuya walking through his barn, seeing those weird creature things. Again, spoilers for all of this going forward. So if you want to watch it and come back, you can do that. But um, that first scene in the barn where you think they're aliens and they're slowly creeping up on him and the camera doesn't mm-hmm. caught you're right there with him the entire time those little creatures walking up to him slowly super slowly creeping around the corner and then you see it from his cameras from his uh, phone camera's point of view and the thing just peeks out and then you have the one behind him and they punch him in the face and you realize oh they're just kids <laughs> they're just doing yeah. a little um, prank on him which I felt was um, fairly reminiscent of um, of Jaws of that first scene in, or the mm-hmm. early scenes in Jaws where the kids were doing the prank and you thought it was a, shark, a real shark at first so definitely um, harkening back and paying homage to early um, you know, an early horror movie, a movie that a lot of people uh, think of as horror, definitely has um, elements of that. But this, but this movie as well um, harkens back into pages of homage to a movie, movie like that, where it's dealing with so many things and has so many genre mixing mixing into it. It has horror, it's a thriller, sci-fi, it's a social commentary, a lot of stuff going on in there. And just touch on that very quickly, um, just about the social commentary, because um, Van Lathan was on the big picture just now talking about like he wasn't sure what the uh, significance of the monkey at the beginning was. And I think just, you know, uh, again, I saw this movie just now, so it's uh, top of mind. My first knee jerk um, response to that would be it's a monkey people call black men monkeys. So you're talking about uh, somebody like a minstrel entertainment. This, this thing is put on on display. It's, it has lights around him. It's told to act this way, do this thing. Dance, monkey, dance, you know, that, that whole thing. So it's, I think it's a very clear sort of comparison point that Peel is making about how black men and women were um, used as entertainment back in the day. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. So that, that's definitely possible. You know, I don't know if Jordan, like, you know, Jordan Peel would be that, like, he'd be like, let me use this super racist metaphor, but maybe he would, like, you know, and he would be kind of like, you know, poking, poking fun at it. So, or not fun at it, but kind of like drawing attention to it. Uh, that's that's something I hadn't even considered. So that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
and then what else yeah just 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 great um visuals again just the long long mm-hmm. long shots i felt like it would just allow the movie to breathe i did feel like a little bit long i felt like the first third could have used a little bit of a uh, um cut there you know did you feel like the first third um could have uh been shortened shortened up a little bit no, I mean, I, it, it was the length was fine for me. Um, I mean, I just read this review that some some guy wrote about. He's like, well, you know, the Batman was three hours, and we sat through that, so we can <laughs> do long movies. So, um, no, I, I didn't really have a problem with the length. It, it worked for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very interesting. Again, like I, I liked what you talked about with um, how we view things, the different ways in which um, things are being portrayed and captured. You have. You know, mm-hmm. different technology being used throughout the movie. You have um, Daniel Clue's character using a older flip phone. There, Kiki Palmer has a, has an iPhone. You have uh, Michael Wincott uh, played by, or the character's name was Antlers. Apparently, no, I don't. Did they ever say his name <laughs> in there? Never. I didn't catch. I didn't I don't catch know. that. Yeah, there. the cinematographer guy, right? Yes, yes, yes. So you have yeah. you know him capturing the thing using a film camera. You have Angel Torres um, using uh, HD 4K. Um, rig there and then they go back after their their farm was first first attacked and they go back to uh, Angel's apartment you know they're watching things on a VR headset so it's all it's a it's a movie that it's very much about how we view things how we capture things um, the end of the movie has Kiki Palmer trying to capture footage of the thing using this very very old timey um, ca- uh, camera in a well because the, yes, the camera is facing well up. camera <laughs> yeah that was yeah exactly check off well exactly she uses the camera in the well that's facing upwards into the sky to capture um a picture of the thing it was like a very what, was, what would you describe it as like a like a um what are those uh stingrays like a stingray in the ocean like a um, yeah not a stingray a je- jellyfish it was like jellyfish flying in the sky that she, she finally captures at the end right yeah yeah it's it becomes you know it starts as you know very kind of classical flying saucer but yeah it becomes this kind of otherworldly like sea creature looking thing you know like uh like something that would you would see floating in like the depths of the darkest parts of the ocean yeah and it's very much about how you know we can take anything nowadays like i feel like um i was thinking about the boys a lot in this i think about like how do we commoditize um trauma and violence and so many things of you know the boys um the heroes in there are they they sell drinks they sell movies they sell themselves all the time and you have um you have Steven Yuen's character selling this thing that we don't even understand. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it's about yeah. a lot of that too, of like, before we even understand something, before we even know what the thing is that we're looking at, we capture it and we bottle it and we sell it to the public before we're even aware of what the thing is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And he, you know, he has that whole room like dedicated to, he's like, he like is reminiscent of this, this thing uh, from his childhood that happened to him that was so traumatic and paralyzing. And that's what he's built his whole kind of like little mini empire there out in the desert around. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much about that. I think it's a very interesting movie. Again, I just saw it just now. Definitely got to, like you said, ruminate on it and think about it um, for a while, but yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I like this much more than us. I felt like us had, um, what do you call it? Um, Van Lathan called it like a museum piece. It was like a, a thing. It was a movie that was really, really nice to look at. Um, you know, I think that that phrase um, style over substance is a, is a little overused, a little um, minimalistic. It minimizes what the movie was trying to do. But I feel like some of that definitely uh, applies there with the look of the characters, their jumpsuits, how uh, Lupita Nyong'o was was acting her her 
her voice, her mannerisms there was definitely something that I think, um, I think distracted from whatever the message of the movie was or what she was, what, what, what people were trying to say with that. I feel like it was, you know, a lot of, a lot of dressing, a lot of hat, a lot of hats on hats, you know, a lot of, um, yeah. just, yeah, a lot of, um, stylistic, um, touchstones in there and not so much a coherent, cohesive messaging in us, I felt like. And also spoilers for us. Um, I felt like the ending being not, um, ambiguous. I felt like that, uh, Peel sort of, um, revealing everything and, and sort of leaving it not open for interpretation. I felt like it was a bit of a mistake. What do you think about that? I actually didn't see us. Uh, oh. It didn't, I, honestly, for, for a lot of the reasons you're describing, it yeah. just didn't look great. And I never, yeah. and it, it didn't get, like, it wasn't a big summer movie like this was, um, I think it came out in like February or March or something. Yeah. Um, and it just, I, I never really made myself watch it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, I, this drew me in a lot more um, than than us did, obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't really spoil it uh, outright, but yeah, <laughs> just yeah. going into it. No, you're know, good. Yeah. Know that, um, yeah, it doesn't leave a lot to the imagination in there. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would yeah. definitely put this my number two at the uh, Jordan Peele movie. Definitely uh, Get Out is, a, is an all-time classic. Mm-hmm. I think it is, yeah. is, it is incredible the way he sort of talks about how uh, white, white America uses black bodies to their own entertainment, mm-hmm. to their own use, and sort of uses them up and sort of throws them away. So yeah, very, very, yeah. One, one of the great movies of all, in the last 20 years at least. Um, and then yeah. Us said not, not one of my favorites, and then I would definitely put Nope in the second place there. Yeah, and and also like I think you know it's really cool that Nope is going to be, it's make it's going to do really well. Um, you know it's already do, did well at the box office, and there it's in all likelihood going to be the biggest um, pandemic uh, re- since the pandemic release of an original movie. So something that is not part of a existing franchise, uh, or you know uh, it's not based on anything. I think the only mo- other movie that's done as well as this that isn't a sequel or in some kind of film series is Uncharted, which is obviously based on the video games. So it's really cool to see an A24 movie, an original idea, something like this, doing this well at the box office. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm not sure if it is an A24 joint. Um, Oh, is it not an A24? I I think I was just thinking that because... Yeah, it seems like that, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like something they would would put out. Um, Yeah, I don't believe it is. Let me lagging here a little bit here uh let's see who no put it's this not th- yeah it's not oh yeah because um jordan peele has an exclusive de- monkey paw his production but yes. he's signed an exclusive deal with universal so which also explains why it's getting a big summer wide release um right yeah. off the bat yes 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 that makes sense right um so mm-hmm. yeah really really great gave that like maybe eight eight or nine out of ten there so yeah definitely check that out um yeah like you said i was a pack theater too great theater great audience laughed at the right parts jumped at the right parts really really great to see i i haven't really uh had the experience of seeing a lot of like super scary movies or super uh horrific movies with audience. I usually save those (laughs) for myself at nighttime to really experience them myself. So it's always interesting to go out and see movies where you can jump with the audience as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that theatrical experience, especially in a horror movie where everyone is just, you've got, you know, a group of hundred, 200 people and they're all on pins and needles. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it so much. Um, let's see. So just a couple more things before we get out of here. Um, been watching a bunch of stuff over the last few days. Um, the Lost City, again, a uh, big release this year. Trying to c- catch up on that and also put out some uh, reviews of that. Um, really good. Give it like two and a half stars. It was fine. You know, I think... Um, uh, Channing Tatum it's definitely a funny guy can do that funny stuff funny action guy um, yeah it was alright have you seen this? Uh, no I, I did not get around to seeing this one I yeah, hear it's it was, okay I hear it's, it's fine you know yeah yeah this this and also his movie his, his other movie from this year Dog I would say about the same but oh, pretty good yeah yeah. It's like, uh, whenever I go to my parents' house, there's still a billboard up right next to the, the <laughs> off-ramp. And it's like, dog, in theaters February. And I was like, it's fucking July. Why is this still? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, um, check that out. Uh, the Poughkeepsie Tapes. I'm a big, big found footage guy. And Poughkeepsie mm. Tapes is one of those I've heard heard, heard about for a long time from 2007. Finally got, it, finally got around to seeing it um, just recently. And this is really, really great. Um, I think it relies on very natural uh, building of dread. I won't mention like what it's about or anything or like twist and stuff like that. Definitely want people to experience this for themselves. But there's one moment in this where a woman um, gets into the back of a cop car. She, she Her car broke down. She's trying to get a ride to a gas station. And the killer is uh, um, uh, imitating to be a cop. And uh, he's recording her in the backseat. And the camera, again, great long shot, great three-minute scene of her sort of being like, hey, thank you so much for picking me up. Um, so gas station's, you know, next left. And the driver's like, okay, yep, no problem. We're going there. Passes by the passes by the passes by the turn. She goes, "Hey, uh, you missed the turn there." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I did." She's like, uh, "Are you gonna turn around?" And he's like, "No, no, I'm not." And you just see her face drop and slowly realize that he's not who he says he is, and it starts to yeah. just get worse and worse from there. Really incredible, incredible found footage movies. I, I would put this in maybe even top five, top three found footage movies with you know Blair Witch oh, wow. with. Um, Paranormal Activity, really, really great found footage movie called The Poughkeepsie Tapes. I think it's on playing on Shutter right now. Okay, I'll have to check that. I'm like, yeah, found footage, like especially if it's done well, can be done really, and I think it lends itself very well to horror. So I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, yeah, I really, really love that. So I think that's about. I wrap it up there. I got a few more things, but we'll leave it there. so yeah, like I said, just cranking out those reviews <laughs> on the old letterbox <laughs> over there. B underscore four Benedetta on Letterboxd. I am at the film essayist on YouTube. You can search me for there. Um, go to anchor.com for an easy way to upload uh, your podcast. And I did a part two of an interview with the TikToker Cinematech on the podcast. Should be the episode right before this one on the Can I Say Something feed. So definitely check that out. Yep, and then uh, I've also got a some stuff. I've got Medium and a Letterbox as well. I don't write as in depth reviews. Uh, usually, sometimes I do on um, uh, Letterboxd, uh, but I have some stuff up there. And then, of course, I have my podcast, Underrated. So, if anybody wants to hear me talk about movies anymore, um, we talk about an underrated movie each uh, each every other week, I should say. Um, so, the same day that this show comes out, uh, my other show, Underrated, also comes out. And today's um, episode, we are talking about uh, Thank You for Smoking. Um, we had our guest nice. Larry Freed on, so that was a lot of fun. Nice, nice. Yeah, I remember liking that very much. Let me see, who who directed that? Because I feel like that's what a director I'm like, oh, yeah, he did that one. It's, um, um what's his name? Uh, oh, my God. It's uh, up in the air. Um, oh, yeah, that guy. Jason uh, Reimer. 
Jason, Jason Reitman, yeah. exactly, exactly. Up yep. here, Juno. Um, so we talk, kind of talked about on the episode how he had like a kind of like amazing little like spiritual trilogy there at like the end of like the the t- first decade of two th- the 2000s, like, and it was just like hit, 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 and how there were all these just great interpersonal stories with like razor sharp dialogue. Um, with really interesting and flawed, in a lot of cases, protagonists. So had a lot of fun talking about that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Up in the air, hit Juno, and th- thank you for smoking in that, like you said, four or five year run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sort of sort of continued a little bit into the um, 2010s with things like Young Adult and Tully later on. Yeah, definitely got to check those yeah, out yep, yep. eventually. Yeah. So I think that'll do it for episode 143 of the Can I Season League podcast. I have been Damian. And I've been Derek. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye.